passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Good evening. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. Hello, Wei. Hello, John. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing great. You have a good weekend. Yeah, it was a pretty productive weekend overall. Got good. a lot of things done. Um, it was, it was a busy weekend. I don't know. I don't. I don't yeah. do, do you want like a detail, like run by? Uh, I mean, no. I, everything? I, I know. I know. I, I could. I kind of have an idea. I mean, you know, your how's the state of your basement? For uh, my basement. Um, my daughter said, uh, "I want the old basement." It's like me too, <laughs> me too. I would, I too would like the old basement back. Um, it's uh, it's pretty bare, but we're hoping uh, in the next month that it will be uh, re- restored. That's the right. hope. Right. So okay. we we have we have found the core problem and. Thus, it seems hopefully we are out of the woods when it comes to the worst of it. Well, that's uh, good. New pipe uh, installed. They had to have like a buried alive match in front of my house to to dig. <laughs> yeah, sounded like uh, quite the ordeal, quite the headache. But hopefully um, you'll have a brand new everything, you know, once this is all over. so We'll have a basement party when it's all done way. You can come over. I look forward to it. Sure. This this really got in the way of our plans to watch UFC 295 together. It broke our streak. Uh, next time, very quick card to uh, go through though the main card. I mean, we had a one finish after another on Saturday night. Okay. Yes, that's. Uh, I could tell you anything from Saturday, and I'm sure you would uh, maybe go along with it. Sure. You had a good weekend. You got a yeah. got up to anything. How was the Marvels? Can you or and without uh, ruining it? Uh, I I don't want to hear what happened. Way. Right. the marvels but can you give us any uh any feedback i thought it was a really fun movie i mean this is now um going to be i i don't i'm not really keeping up with like the the current box office but i think it was projected to be like marvel marvel's biggest flop at the box office and i it did 45 yeah which is i think tremendously low for a marvel movie certainly compared to the first captain marvel um 
And I went in, I mean, kind of being aware of some of that, maybe kind of being aware of some mixed reviews from the critics. But um, I came out of it just like fully realizing that it's not due to the quality of the movie and due to a number of other factors. You know, you could blame the strike. You could blame maybe, um, you know, the the cast or maybe the Disney Plus integration or uh, a number of other factors. But certainly for me, it was not due to the quality of the movie because I had a great time watching it. Yeah, I've got to say for, for this one, like I um, uh, I am like kind of on the fence about going to, to watch this one. The runtime is a big uh it does sway my decision towards yeah. it. That's yes, the first that, thing you look at when that you is something that. Goes, listen, I would love to see that Scorsese film, but like if that thing was an hour and, a, and a, two hours, okay, I'm there. I would right. make that time. Three plus hours. It's just I I cannot feasibly work that into my day. This is an hour forty five. Right. Yes. Yes, it is tremendous. Mm-hmm. This is getting, I'm just looking this up. So among reviewers, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score, 84%. That's mm-hmm. an encouraging number. Do you, do you sense any word of mouth that people that maybe were sorted down on Marvel? Because this feels like this is the, this is a referendum on Marvel, more so than just an individual movie that um, yeah. this is people's just fatigue of Marvel itself. Um, I, Not so much. I mean, maybe like this might spur some interest for people to check it out when it's on, on demand. But I mean, bottom line is it's not just simply, Um, I think, uh, a lot of those factors. It, it's, people just don't seem to be that excited about this particular film Um, for whatever reason. So I don't I don't think that it'll like it's not so good that I'm like, wow, you have to go to the movies to, to see it. But I certainly think it's like I, I felt like a, a very satisfying movie going experience. So. If you're on the fence, I would say you should go. But um, if you weren't even near approaching the fence at all, and this was like not even sort of within your 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 world, um, you're probably not going to be excited about it either way. You know, when it comes to that saying, it's really painful to sit on the fence. Oh, like it if it's one of those like chain link fences. Like, have you ever tried to sit on one of those that mm-hmm. doesn't have like the smooth bar at the top, like a it, the balance alone would make it really difficult. Like you do have to, it's a very momentary yeah. type of thing. Right. Uh, well, what, what should you say instead, you know, um, balancing on a fence? Maybe um, just like uh, standing on something that it, just for endurance sake, you could, if you're really that indecisive, like maybe um, crotched on the fence, n- nothing to do with a fence. I don't think the fence would be the, um, the, the best representation of indecisiveness. Like maybe I am, um, I am, uh, looking both ways before I cross the street. I think that's more being careful and not really being indecisive. Well, you could be, uh, it, that's a bad analogy. Like not, not, not knowing which way to go and stand, I guess standing, <laughs> standing in the, in the middle of the street and not <laughs> knowing which direction you should be going. That might be, you know, it's even worse than sitting on the fence. It's, it's shit or get off the pot. Like what, what an ultimatum. (laughs) Um, like who, who's in such a rush that like, clearly you are, maybe you're using a, uh, clearly you are, if you can't even afford time to watch a three hour movie. You're right. Um, did you see they're, they're starting to have this debate now about the intermissions. I thought you were going to say a debate about shitting or getting off the pot. Um, no, that, I don't know that much about it. You shouldn't sit for too long. Is. That's for sure. 
Well, you've got to sit a long time if you're going to go see a Martin Scorsese film in 2023. Right. Yeah. Um, sorry. You, might, you might have to shit or get off the popcorn. That's if you're there for that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On that note, we're going to move on. Go see the Marvels. Um, can hey, I, by the way, a, yeah, uh, yeah. if you're not convinced enough, maybe you should listen to Rich Fan and WH Park talk about it this weekend. They will be reviewing it live. Going head-to-head with full gear. So those of you guys who don't give a shit about AEW and instead want to hear professional wrestling podcasters talk about a Marvel movie, you can listen to those two. 9 p.m. in the Post Wrestling Cafe. The rest of you will probably be listening to them on Sunday in the feed. Maybe we'll get some side-by-side commentary of WH with the AEW pay-per-view going on. Very possible, yes. Okay, we'll check that out Saturday night with Rich and uh, WH. And uh, we have a lot coming up this week. Uh, I do want to uh, alert everybody that Tuesday, we're going to be dropping an interview uh, that I conducted with Chris Hero, uh, close to an hour uh, with Chris discussing uh, his return to the ring this Friday for West Coast Pro. He will be taking on Timothy Thatcher, a return to the ring after three and a half years since his last match, he will talk to us about why it's been such a long layoff, the decision to come back now, his involvement with West Coast Pro over the past year. Uh, we'll even go into their very first match together that took place under different aliases in the Wrestling Retribution Project back in 2011 under Jeff Katz. We'll talk about that. Um, a wild story about how Chris's WWE contract got rescinded in 2011 and the lengths at which Chris went to contacting one of the, well, you're going to have to hear the story because it was, uh, it was quite the story um, that, that he shared, but we got into a lot of stuff and uh, that's coming up on, on Tuesday. So look out for that on the site for everybody postwrestling.com. And yes, we're also going to do some rapid fire wrestling book reviews with Chris hero, maybe a recurring segment down the road. Ooh, looking forward to that. Wonderful. Uh, so that is uh, coming up this week as well. Rewind away. We are going back to January 4th of 2016. PostWrestlingCafe.com will have that show out for you on Thursday. And um, Wrestle Kingdom week, 10. Wrestle Kingdom 10. That is right. Mm-hmm. With Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles. Katsuyori Shibata challenging Tomohiro Ishii for the Never Openweight Championship. Uh, do you know what um, one of the unadvertised matches was? It was John Pollock versus New Japan World. And uh, spoiler alert, John Pollock prevailed this past weekend. Um, not my own account problems, but I was able to enter New Japan World, enter the forbidden streaming service, and um, watch most of Wrestle Kingdom 10. So, uh, Did you get into contact with somebody? Nope. No one has contacted me yet. From but how did you? So how did you do it? Well, I had to go through alter. Uh, I had to get in elsewhere. Okay, if if they're not answering in the front door, you gotta go through the side Wait, door. Somebody else's account. I might might okay. have. Gotcha. I don't feel guilty about it either because I think I'm still paying for New Japan World as I have been since day one. Okay, day one I signed up for that account and nothing. I'm knocking and no one's answering. Hmm. It's like I mean, I, they should really treat you um, like you, you. The longer you stay, I mean, you should be. You know, this you should have VIP status if they offer that. I mean, I. You said said it, not me. But we'll mm-hmm. see if uh, that gets all uh, taken care of. Uh, have you started Wrestle Kingdom? Oh, wait a minute. It's Monday. <laughs> I have started it. I have at least gone through the the New Japan Rumble. 
That's great so. because I skipped the New Japan Rumble, so you are in charge of oh. recapping the New Japan Rumble. I was <laughs> not, not sitting down recap. and watching the New Japan Rumble uh, on a show that long, so that's that's Way's domain. He can he could make up any entrance in the world, and I will just take his word for it. Uh, but that's coming up Thursday, and then uh, of course lots uh, this weekend. So for Friday night, we are going to do a free edition of Rewind to SmackDown because AEW is going to be presenting three hours of wrestling Friday night. So that means John Ceno and Kate from Montreal, they will be on the cafe Friday night reviewing both Collision and Rampage the night before Full Gear. So, so much wrestling coming up this weekend. We will have you covered. And then Way and I will be up Saturday night after Full Gear. But we will not get too far ahead of ourselves. A lot of shows this week. Check out Chris Hero on Tuesday. Check out the Marvels on Saturday night. Everything in between then as well. HostWrestlingCafe.com. Yeah. And the Nubian Wrestling Advocates out this weekend as well. Sunday, yes. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday with Andrew, Chris, and, of course, Nate Milton. Let's dive into some news items. On Saturday night, AEW announcing a tournament. We've got the Continental Classic coming your way where Tony Khan is designing. Uh, maybe they'll call this the C1. Um. They could, sure. They could come up with some uh, abbreviation for this. The Continental Classic, where they will have 12 performers broken up into two blocks with weekly round-robin matches beginning on November 22nd, which is the Thanksgiving Eve edition of Dynamite from Chicago, and then the league final. So the winners of each block will meet on the December 27th uh, taping in Orlando with the finals taking place at World's End on December 30th and the first entrant into the continental classic in the, in the, uh, the one eyed man himself, Brian Danielson, who has showed, showed up for at television here, no less to uh, announce his participation in the continental classic. And this is man is a uh, tempting um, medical records by coming back from a orbital injury in a very short amount of time to get ready for the continental classic right well listen man it seems like he's sticking by his uh promise to possibly semi-retire by the time his daughter is seven years old and um that means the clock is running and if it means he's going to go into this tournament as a mummy um he will continue to do so i mean that that is probably the biggest surprise coming out of this entire announcement is the fact that brian Danielson somehow will be cleared for action in um a little over a week it's you got the impression that he will yeah be like we'll get the weekly round robin matches and it's uh, like this this is gonna be a lot of matches when you're talking about um you know if you're talking six that's five singles matches in the round robin and then a sixth with the final and i would say at this point you are going to have your fans that i think are going to be concerned about brian danielson that these are going to be hard matches for the for for a month yeah. uh a month plus um right and, and the expectation it, the expectation is certainly there if you know everybody is almost calling this like aw's G, g1 and there are a lot of round robin tournaments there are a lot of tournaments that take, take place in, in various wrestling promotions but what makes the g1 g, the g1 is the match style it is the fact that every single match within that tournament is is expected to be a certain very physical standard so we'll see if aew can live up to it is there going to be anyone more nervous than New Japan Pro Wrestling throughout this tournament? Watching Brian Danielson, who has <laughs> Okada on January fourth, yeah. days after World's End. I 
I have to imagine that they're 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 really hoping that um he takes it easy. I do imagine for most of these matches, like you don't have to have Brian like he could have a few squashes in there. He could have a few, like you know, ho- hopefully largely technical battles that don't really rely so much on on a lot. But again, the the man got this orbital injury through a you know a tie up, so any any step the man takes could be a possible risk. Chris Jericho, he had uh, his match with Konosuke Takeshita over the weekend, and DDT drew uh, 4,725 to Sumo Hall, and um, there was quite a lot of good wrestling over the weekend. Did you happen to catch this match at all, Way? No, I don't have Wrestle Universe, so um, I might need to uh, back or <laughs> uh, front door in my way through it uh, somehow. Well, um, this match, I, I thought was an excellent match that these two had. I mean, Jericho went uh, here with Takeshita 23 and a half minutes. He was a big deal uh, showing up at DDT. The English announcers, like one of them was noting like that they were born shortly after Jericho's first tour of Japan in 1991. And these uh, broadcasters were like in awe that like Chris Jericho is here in uh, DDT. And uh, some of the highlights just included I mean, this was Jericho working as intense of a match as you, you could imagine. I mean, it was almost the level of like the Ishii match that he did uh, last year, like full out big pay-per-view type of match uh, with Takeshita and a clean finish on top of it. Um, you saw these uh, jumping knees by Takeshita that Jericho was able to get up from. And then Takeshita removes the knee pad, but the exposed knee gets stopped and he puts him in like this very like um violent version of the of the walls he's just like torquing back almost like the the lion tamer and just putting this added pressure on that ends up getting the submission so they went 23 and a half minutes and then jericho has them cut judas in the arena and the two shake hands and do the mutual respect which I found to be really interesting given the fact this felt like the the end of this feud and you're going into this like huge street fight on Wednesday. And I'm just curious how much of this will be acknowledged on AEW's end. Um, And we should note that on Rampage, they did have Jericho do a whole promo building up this match uh, with with Takeshita as well. So it wasn't as though this did not exist in AEW's world. But with no specific mention of DDT nor Russell Universe. No, they never plugged where you could watch it. Just, it just this Sunday. But it's almost like it's either we promote it or we don't promote it. Like we spent a, a like we spent a two minute promo with backstage for Chris Jericho to solely build the match with Takeshita for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they didn't plug Wrestle Universe or even like when it is just Sunday. It's Sunday in Japan, and yeah, this. I think seems- I, I think Tony Schiavone at one point said it was going to be in the Tokyo Dome, which um, <laughs> was not the case. Yeah, uh, Soraya was headlining. Um, so anyway, it was, I thought it was an excellent match. I mean, um, and DDT, they stated they will come back to Sumo Hall July 21st of next year. But, uh, this was certainly, I thought we were going to get some big angle, like maybe Don Callis would be there. Maybe you would have, um, powerhouse Hobbs show up or something, but no angle. And like, yeah, you wouldn't get the sense. Like there's this big blood feud that's, uh, going to erupt on Wednesday. I, I wonder how much of this they'll acknowledge. I mean, you know, AEW has, I think, re- probably gauged a lot of like what what fans might be absorbing, you know, from other promotions on online before they decide 
how much they should acknowledge on TV. And if this handshake maybe has enough people talking, certainly we're talking about it. Um, they they might have to mention it or at least like build their heat up some other way, you know, despite something like this. So um, we'll see you on Wednesday. The like a ninja Gaiden um, fight like a boss final street fight. Yes, uh, we will. We will get to that in the uh, the dynamite <laughs> lineup. But the World Tag League, we have the team name, the the teams, and much like the Continental Classic, two blocks for this year's World Tag League. Sixteen teams that New Japan will have. This tournament begins next Monday and runs until December the tenth. So in the A block, it is Shota Umino and Ren Narita, Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano, Great Okan and Hanare. TMDK of Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste, Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, Evil and Yujiro, representing Noah, Kaito Kiyomiya, who was back after his, I would say, less than um, spectacular uh, treatment in the G1, teaming with Ryohei Oiwa, who he took uh, for his excursion to Noah, and the Gates of Agony, Khan and Toa Leona, which I think, honestly, like this is, to me, in, in the, indicative of the Gates of Agony being... I think a priority that they see something in them, but also they're disposable that we can send over for a tournament like this. I know if you think Lance Archer was a priority for AEW, you know, and being able to be loaned out in previous years, then I guess, sure, sure. The Gates of Agony are. Well, in fairness, the Gates of Agony just beat the uh, the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. So at least they're further ahead than Lance Archer, who is technically still with AEW, but um, he's got a faction now. He's got a little. He, he was featured in a match on collision mm-hmm. so something of note the b block has the iwgp tag champions hiroki goto and yoshihashi the old men of minoru suzuki and yuji nagata hikuleo and el Fantasma. is that the tag team name the old the man old man dude they're gonna have probably some of the best matches of this entire <laughs> yeah. block okay yeah. they're gonna get some great ma- we're gonna get to see taichi with with uh with, with nagata we're gonna get to see atlantis jr and soberano jr with nagata and minoru suzuki like there should be some fun matches in here yoda suji will have mystery man x who will be revealed on monday on the undercard uh and then yes atlantis jr soberano jr lance archer and alex zane and then bad luck Fale and jack bonza who do you think X is? Um, I haven't given it too much thought. Is there anyone that is a... Uh, who's available and who's a free agent? Well, this is... Well, you would have had some speculation about uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima, but he's doing the uh, the real world tag league for all Japan. So not just mm-hmm. like he wins the triple crown. He's doing their tag tournament as well. So I, I think that that rules him out. And that seems like that would be uh, too big uh, of a name for this. Obviously one name out there. CM Punk. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> just the answer to every mystery in pro wrestling is uh-huh. CM Punk. Yeah. Teaming with Yodosuji in the World Tag League, you don't. It's possible. Um, yeah, we could get you know Yuji Nagata and CM Punk the the battle of the uh, step up yes. knees. Mm-hmm. We could we could we could see that CM Punk and Jack Bonds after all these years in a ring together. <laughs> and then Russell Kingdom eighteen, they have added two more title matches: Shingo Takagi against Tamatonga for the never open weight title, and Zack Saber Junior against Hiroshi Tanahashi for the television title, which I. I can take this match every month and I'll be happy. I don't care how many times they have a, a, a singles match together. Um, this will be one year of Zack Sabre Jr. as the one and only television champion. And he's had a hell of a run with this belt since establishing it this year. It could end. 
in, in, in a world without Will Ospreay, he would be a solid contender for wrestler of the year. Uh, Zach. I think so. I think Zach's had an amazing year. I, I guess I haven't seen enough of his body of work this year. Um, it's hard for me to just think of anybody other than Will Ospreay, you know, being in that in contention, but sure. SmackDown ratings. This was uh, compared to last week's taped episode. They were up 4% in viewers for Friday show, 2,195,000 viewers, 0.57 in the demo up 8%. Uh, they did see an increase with men uh, in the 18 to 34 and 18 to 49 demos rampage on Friday night, a live edition of the show didn't make a whole large difference, but they were up 322,000 viewers and a 0.12, up 8% in viewers, 5% in the demo, a big increase with um, the 18 to 34 demo, in particular men uh, in that side of things. So that was the show that featured FTR against Commander and El Hijo del Vikingo, which was another great match this weekend among just our weekly dose of really great wrestling matches as we uh, move on and you just try it's uh, it's like the supermarket showdown that's kind of what like pro wrestling weekends are like now where you just try to grab what you can of all the things that are recommended out there and you have a yeah. finite amount of time and if you're not and, hurt if you're not fast enough this stuff this food spoils and you got to get to the next meal and you end up with a bunch of shit you never wanted in the first place well, that's that's the danger of going down some of the aisles that you might not be familiar with. <laughs> NXT Tuesday night. What a lineup we have here. Baron Corbin against Wesley, a match that is happening in 2023. The Brawling Brutes against Out the Mud of Bronco Nima and Lucian Price. Andre Chase and Duke Hudson defending the tag titles against Channing Lorenzo and Tony D'Angelo. And then Lita has, has uh, booked two qualifying matches for the Iron Survival Challenge. Trick Williams against Joe Coffey and Roxanne Perez against Lash Legend. Mm-hmm. That's uh, quite, the, quite the match. Roxanne Perez and Lash Legend. Then we have Alpha Academy appearing on the Supernova Sessions. And the main event, as mentioned on Raw, Zia Lee has invited Lyra Valkyria to a Warriors Tea Ceremony. I wonder what that would be like. Warriors tea. Um, a warrior's tea ceremony. Ceremony. So a tea ceremony for warriors. I don't think it's a warrior branded tea. Maybe it's like that scene in The Princess Bride where he's mixing the drinks and one of them has poison. I've never seen it. Get, stop. Don't you've, even. You've, you all you've never, you've never seen The Princess Bride? Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That's NXT. And then Wednesday's Dynamite, MJF will appear. Red Red Velvet against Sky Blue. Red versus Blue. And the winner will advance to the three-way for the TBS title with uh, Chris Statlander and Julia Hart. John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta against Hook and Orange Cassidy. And then in a first ever, like a dragon Gaiden, the, the man who erased his name street fight, <laughs> Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Paul White against Kanosuke Takeshita, Powerhouse Hobbs, Kyle Fletcher, and Brian Cage. A, um, um, I think everyone's thoughts are with Paul White in this match that he survives. I almost feel like um, they Get have taken be... out immediately or something. No, I think I think he's purposely getting our hopes like lowered um, by not walking. You know, the the his high spot this weekend was standing up face to face with Will Hobbs. And I, I I predict he's going to start the match just hobbling down the ring. And then he's gonna be doing like, you know, uh Pescados and just like um <laughs> moonsaults, 
Um, it's going to be amazing. Okay. Just you wait. Okay. We'll isolate this clip for Wednesday and we'll, we'll see how it goes, but that's Wednesday night's dynamite. And yes, we will have a rewinded dynamite immediately after the show. Paul white, massive man. <laughs> I, it might be a video game thing. Well, I just pulled up a poster and um, his tag is massive man. That should be so. the name. Why are they even going with Paul white? We've got massive man. Massive man. What is it, some of these other ones? Um, it's like his rap name. Powerhouse Hobbs, Don Callis, family lieutenant. All right. Okay. That's more. Uh, That's a good one. Wordy. Do we have uh, ones for all of them? Yeah. Uh, Brian Cage, the machine, comma, mogul embassy lieutenant. Okay. Are they all lieutenants? Do we have one for Kota Ibushi? I would love to know what his, uh, um, his rank is. Okay. So we have, um, well, I mean, Kota Ibushi is just golden star. And then it looks I mean, like. Nothing beats mammoth man. Massive man. Massive man. man. I'm sorry. Kyle Fletcher, young apprentice, Don Callis, family lieutenant. And then we have uh, Kanosuke Takeshida, the alpha. The wait, he's another lieutenant. They're all lieutenants. They're all lieutenants. How can you? How can you? How can Kyle Fletcher be a young apprentice and a lieutenant? Yeah, that seems contradictory. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, are you excited about this video game now? Not so much the game, no. But the I'm excited to see what the integration, what the product placement integration will be like. You know, uh, no, and I mean that. Like, I, I'm very curious to see, like, how, I, like, is it just going to be, I don't know, advertising around around the ring? Will they have spots um, to do with this video game that I've never played nor seen in action? Yeah, I was going to say you and I won't get any of the references that come out of the game, but plenty of people uh, join, like, in the chat room will. Uh, That's what our chat's for. Yeah. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Well, tonight's Raw took place from the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C., starting off with Cody Rhodes, who remembers his wonderful memories in this arena, which of course housed the very first edition of Dynamite back in October of 2019. Oh, interesting. I mean, among other things he's he's done, but would like, do you think he said this line principally because of the first I dynamite? think everyone like this arena um, for the first dynamite. I think that would be absolutely what he was referring to here. Right. Okay. He says that he and Jay are going to have another great memory by regaining the tag titles tonight. So he brings out the war games team of Jay, Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins. And Cody says how he's always gotten along with Zayn in his career has started getting along with Jay, but then pauses when he gets to Rollins. But before they can exchange judgment, Day come out calling them clowns, a bunch of randoms while we are a family. And Balor mentions that Rollins could never beat Cody. And they're trying to get into their head. Priest says that Cody can beat all of these guys, but you can't be champion while Zayn, you're a loser. And Priest says that Jay screwed all of you guys when he was in the bloodline. And Zayn defends, says, we can all put our issues behind us. This match is about power, and this is going to be the most brutal match of your careers. 
So Cody gets the microphone and Rhea Ripley is not out with the Judgment Day. And he refers to Rhea as the real leader of Judgment Day. And this is getting under the skin of Damian Priest. And finally, he cuts off Cody stating, I'm the leader of Judgment Day, drawing some uh, discerning looks from Finn Balor. And then Rollins says he's tired of talking, challenges Dominic and JD to a tag match, and Priest accepts on behalf of the two. And again, Balor is staring a hole into Damian Priest at this uh, overstepping and declaration of himself as the leader. Mm-hmm. I like this opening segment in particular. I re- really like the way they presented each member of the babyface team with Cody coming out and individually welcoming each person, giving their own entrance. It gave individual spotlight to every member. And I thought Priest and Balor kind of continued that with their line, specifically targeting some of the insecurities of each member, you know, um, poking fun at Jay being a backstabber, Sammy being a, a sort of a loser. A, a, yes. Somebody who's, who's always a loser. Uh, Rollins, very interestingly, being essentially a paper champion as a guy who's never been able to be, to be Cody, despite holding that championship. And I guess, weirdly enough, Cody, um being a guy who could beat seth rollins yet he's never able to be champion well yeah that that's sort of the implication here um nonetheless he's never shared any desire to go after this championship clearly yeah he he does not want it um they do have to come up with a better excuse for for that you know why 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 doesn't cody want it like because you're just letting the audience feel like it's an inferior championship um but i thought they they don't want i i don't think they want to just call attention to like the real focus is the reigns title and come up with a good reason for why he specifically can't have that one maybe he should lose a match like that that prevents him from ever qualifying for um for (laughs) does that work out so well for him the last time well he could lose a match that that prevents him from from um going for it as long as seth rollins is champion i don't know there's there's some way they could they could do it anyway uh but i thought they built the babyface team up really well here so we go into the tag match, Rollins and Zayn against Dominic and J.D. McDonough. Dominic does the three amigos and Michael Cole in passing mentions that this is the 18th anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's uh, death back in November 13th of 2005 when he was 38 years old. Wow, that's crazy. Yes. I'm, I'm older than Eddie Guerrero was. That's nuts. J.D. McDonough yanks Dominic to the floor and the two go to leave when Rollins and Zayn bring them back to the ring and it's Zayn with the exploder and Dominic slides away to avoid the haluva. Rollins and Zayn with double dives go through the commercial break and then it's J.D. helping Dominic to avoid a buckle bomb and then Zayn rams J.D. into the post. There's a pedigree to Dominic that he blocks and as Dominic sets up for the 619, eats a super kick, then the buckle bomb and as Rollins sets up for the stomp, Balor and Priest attack on the orders of Rhea Ripley, and the DQ is called at 10 minutes and 35 seconds. Rhodes and Jay run down. All eight men are fighting. Pierce is out with security. Jay Spears, JD, taking the bullet for Damian Priest, which would be a significant moment um, later in the show with JD once again sacrificing himself. And Adam Pierce gets another chance to blow out his lungs as he screams, Enough! He's sick of the games. Another another match ruined with an overbooked finish. He <laughs> says this won't happen in the main event. Everyone that is involved in war games that is not in the match is banned from the arena tonight. 
Right. Yeah. Setting up a you know a bit of a longer story with the the Judgment Day kind of panicking that um they won't have any extra help in the main event. So, um, uh, pretty groan inducing. You know, having another match just kind of thrown out with a, a DQ finish here. I I think in like. I'm a little surprised that they wouldn't just give like the team that's act like uh, uh what is it the, the babyface team the win here because well I suppose tonight with JD and their story they didn't want to have him lose and I I mean I guess in, they in just a way, don't couldn't want you either. have done uh like you could have done Damian Priest and JD here somehow get to that like the odd well, couple Priest was there. already wrestling tonight oh he he does he does have that yeah. There's there's that to, to go with. So yeah, they went with this. They didn't want to beat anybody. It's, it's fine. Like you know, it was more so about where we're going here with with uh, JD McDonough. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, so they are told to uh, to leave the arena. Rhea is in the ring after the break, arguing with Adam Pierce, st- stating that J- uh, Judgment Day doesn't run Raw, and Adam Pierce does, and warns her not to show up in the main event tonight. So with that, Zoe Stark comes down, stating that Rhea is too worried about all these other things between War Games, tonight's tag title match, Dominic, and now your own title. And Rhea explains, I am not overlooking you. I watched you in NXT. You sent Trish packing. You beat Becky Lynch. You're a future champion, but it's going to be on SmackDown, not here. And says that I can handle all of these things, including the backstage politics, because I'm Rhea bloody Ripley. And Zoe just comes back stating, I almost won the title of Crown Jewel. I will win it at Survivor Series. And uh, Rhea goes to attack her. Zoe avoids it. And that is our story this week for the women's title. Man, I, I find like the dynamics of like all of Rhea's title defenses to continue to be a, a little bit difficult and, and, and awkward, especially for her, anybody who's opposing her. She continues to be presented essentially as a baby face anytime she defends the women's championship. Tonight, I thought she cut a full-on baby face promo. This was totally received as such, and it was jarring to go from she's in full like heel role in the very previous segment, and mm-hmm. we come back, and you're right. like This audience does not buy Zoe Stark. Rhea sounded so much better and they all were behind Rhea here. They were chanting for it to the point that Rhea even called it out. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, it's clearly intentional. They might be setting up, you know, a, a, a Rhea Ripley babyface turn uh, somewhere down the line, or they just feel like, okay, she's a hot pro- commodity right now in the women's division. Let's just kind of keep it going, even at the expense of perhaps a Zoe Stark, who has no chance of, I think, you know, feeling like a like a viable contender in my opinion um so it's really really difficult especially for a newcomer like her who's not at all ingrained with with the audience and doesn't really have um much of a personality currently built up and it's very tough without a clear idea of she's not as good of a baby face and she's certainly not going to be as good of a heel if that's even the direction then we have shinsuke nakamura i am frustrated you are blessed with so much privilege so i'm taking away your choice the opportunity is mine now. Win or lose your next battle. You will only be less than. Not my problem. I will wait for now because I know it all ends by my hands. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So um, I guess, you know, we maybe some of us, I, I might have expected Chad Gable to be the person he was referring to in some of these openings, uh, or sorry, in some of these interviews, and it's clearly not. The announcers are kind of alluding to it being somebody else as well. And um, 
he's giving us basically a riddle here with certain clues. You know, he's talking about this person being privileged. He's talking about this person basically already having a match coming up. And it doesn't matter, matter whether or not that person wins the upcoming match because Shinsuke Nakamura will ultimately be the person that ends them. So who qualifies? You know, when when you speak of privilege, um, I suppose the first person that comes to mind. CM Punk. <laughs> sure, yes. He's a very privileged man, yes. Uh, but currently on the roster, in particular on Raw, I mean, you would think that somebody who's a second-generation star would qualify, and that might limit it down to either Jey Uso or more likely a Cody Rhodes. You know, both men are um, currently involved in war games, um, but I can certainly see Nakamura um, attaching himself to, to Cody Rhodes and Cody Rhodes having somebody like a Nakamura to, you know, continue to fill the weeks before WrestleMania coming out of a Survivor Series. Yeah, we're kind of going into that lull between Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble, where you essentially have two months mm. before the Royal Rumble after Survivor Series. And um, you need to you need to fill those uh, post-Christmas house shows with something. So maybe it'll be a... I, I, I mean, that would be a compelling program to me. I think, you know, Cody could do, uh, obviously, a bulk of the, the, the speaking in arena. But they found a great way to continue to make Nakamura relevant you know, with this uh, subtitled angle um, or, or gimmick, I should say. And uh, I, the, the fact that he's turning this next opponent into like a bit of a mystery for the audience to guess, I think is, 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 is fun. Maybe this is for Tiffany Stratton. Uh, the privilege would, would apply to her as well. Yes, certainly. Zayn and Rollins are walking backstage. Cody approaches to speak with Seth and says he needs Rollins for one night. Uh, to be with him the other 364 nights of the year we can hate one another and um and then rollins brought up well what about next year when it's a leap year and rollins says he doesn't like cody but i respect you and if you need me for one night then i promise we're good Mm -hmm. yeah in my head i kind of like already reason that these two are already friends after like you know their three matches together but um I mean, this guy sure. like uh, destroyed his peck the night after that Hell in a Cell. You would think that would be, um, you know, yeah, um, something you would remember, right? But Have you I, seen the new Mattel figure they've put out of Cody, where it's Cody with the all purple peck? <laughs> it's really? like half half his upper body is bruised wow. from. Uh, yeah, I just thought saw this thing the other day. Dude, I don't know if it's been awesome. released yet. It looks so cool. But also great. so disturbing to give a child this <laughs> look at this it's a beheaded cody as well uh, um look, well, can you imagine getting this thing i mean uh this thing is gonna be uh i mean like anything with cody it's like throw 50 bucks on this and i'm sure people will be buying it uh i mean at this point i, I think it's a, it's even more ch- adults that are collecting these than, than probably children, so. yeah that's great that's great so i saw Very kids nice. buying those weightlifting belts at elimination chamber so Yes, including a hot uh, item in Montreal. including uh, Braden and Davey. Well, adults too. Yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura and Otis. Um, dude, Otis took like 95% of this match. He just mm-hmm. destroyed Nakamura. This was like the most offense I have seen from Otis in a, in a prolonged match. They went nine minutes, which included Otis doing the good vibrations. He attempted a caterpillar that Nakamura slid away from. So Otis just runs over him on the floor hits a power bomb, then connects with the Caterpillar. Crowd is getting into this. And then the Kinshasa attempt is caught as Otis hits the world's strongest slam for a two count, goes for the Otis bomb, feet get up, and then it's Nakamura with a Kinshasa off the second turnbuckle. Otis won't go down. He hits him from behind. 
Otis is still up. Then a third one puts Otis down and Nakamura finally wins in eight minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, I thought this match greatly overachieved. I thought so, too. I thought the booking was uh, a little surprising. I did not expect somebody like Otis, uh, you know, who's he just ragdolled this guy pretty much up until the Kinshasa is at the end. Like Otis, despite being a bigger person, yes, um, he's pretty lowly ranked, you know, in sort of like their mid card comedy. Not protected to this extent. Yeah. Whereas Nakamura is just coming off not that far from, you know, competing for the world championship. He could possibly be in line for a big feud. Um, maybe with Cody, maybe with somebody else, but, um, I never, I didn't think that they would, you know, have, have this match be so difficult for him, but, um, Clearly, they see something in Otis and wanted to pre- protect sort of that like monster monster aura about him. Um, and the match was overall, I would say, successful. This crowd seemed to really get into it. Nakamura then shoved Chad Gable and he is held back by Akira Tozawa as Nakamura leaves. So it would seem Gable is next, but mm-hmm. that feels more so something for TV than anything. <laughs> Nakamura called these distractions. <laughs> yes, basically. Rollins then runs into Drew McIntyre, who Drew McIntyre just like exists he's like he's not booked for matches anymore he's he's really has no purpose at these like in terms of being a wrestler he's not involved in anything he just hangs out at these shows now oh he's politicking is what he's doing backstage politicking and he tells seth that you were right i have no one to blame but myself and uh, it was probably the best thing for me shakes his hand and says i'm gonna fight my way back to get a rematch but said it in a in a somewhat facetious tone as rollins limps away as he uh has the title i actually thought this came across like really genuine you know like i i i mean this was a, a misdirect for what's to come later on but i thought like he did it in a very earnest like believable way um yeah i also kind of like the 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 shot of like rollins limping away and it's like it's continuing the story that like this guy is getting beaten down from mm. from this rigorous schedule and defending this title and it, it's kind of like an element of like the orange Cassidy story that we, we just went through right shot a feature on Tegan Knox uh, that for a long time, she was only known for her injuries, but over this last year, it's been the craziest year of her life where she spent 90% of it on main event until they remembered she was on the raw roster. And now I'm getting a push. I, I would contend she's still only known for her injury. Like, I don't know. Like, she's been on TV several times this year, but I can't really tell you anything, like, meaningfully done with her in terms of story. She had a match with Becky. Um, Sort of like a loose association with Natalia coming out ringside. But what what beyond that? She was on NXT for a she week. She was? Um, yeah. For one week? Yes. Right. So... Um, well, she's I, still finding her identity. We're, we're still yeah. doing this Natalia story that is, uh, I guess, progressing. Is it progressing? It's um, very, very slowly without that much interest. So it's Piper Niven with Chelsea Green in her corner against Tegan Knox, who's got Natalia. And Niven hits a senton, attacks Knox's arm, and then hits a shoulder breaker, which Wade says uh, she's been uh, Niven has been studying Papa Sh- or sorry Niven has been studying Papa Shango and dude Michael Cole I'm pretty sure had no idea who Papa Shango was. Are Knox- you kidding me? This is the man who who's a an expert on triple tails. <laughs> I'm sure he knows who Papa Shango. Maybe he just didn't associate him with that move. I guess. Um. Yeah. I mean, it it, it was technically like the finisher he used, but you, you didn't you didn't associate too many wrestling moves with Papa Shango. I guess not. Like you thought of goo coming out of the ultimate. I think of vomiting, head. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Knox gets to her feet, lands a running knee, and uh, Green's on the apron, leads to a clothesline. And then Natalia gets involved with Chelsea Green, and Natalia gets shoved off by Niven. And then Knox is out of the way of a running cross body, hits the shiniest wizard, but Niven is by the rope and just gets her foot on the rope. And I thought this was such an awkward spot because then they continued with a seated splash missing by Niven and then just a crucifix by Knox um, instead of just like winning with, with the finisher, which seems like much more of a traditional just WWE ending to uh, to a match here. I just thought it was a little clunky here with this shiniest wizard spot. But Knox wins, and um, I mean, that should guarantee multiple uh, title opportunities for Tegan Knox and Natalia, who have never teamed up together technically, but this should set up a title opportunity. Didn't somebody beat Chelsea like recently? I'm trying to like, isn't somebody already owed a, a tag team title shot? That um, we had, I'm trying to, uh, it was like smack. Uh, okay. I don't even care. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care anymore, but okay. This was a very cold match. Um, I didn't think it was that good. And, um, I think they've they've just Shotzi. It was Shotzi. Shotzi pinned Chelsea, right? Yes, yes. It was okay. Shotzi and Charlotte beat uh, Niven and Chelsea one week. And she's too busy with damage control, I suppose. To she doesn't even have a tag partner, so I guess not not a full time one at least. Well, so. it's it, you just bank these title shots, and you got to remember them though. They're like they're like gift certificates. So you know, it's not like they don't give this like quote unquote tag division. It, it, no air airtime. They do give them airtime, but every appearance that we see from them does nothing to build any sort of interest in a future tag team match, nor just even any future matches. You know this this Natalia um, Tegan thing. It seems to be going nowhere. Um, and just even Tegan, like this was an opportunity tonight to at least create some interesting form of personality, something you can attach her to. When you mentioned the name Tegan Knox, and I just I don't think they did that tonight I, I think it's one of those where you look at um you know for, for, for aew there's so much a focus on the quantity of uh of, of women's uh wrestling and i think that and you can certainly look at a quantity and quality when it comes to that in wwe it's not so much a quantity issue but i would argue about a quality issue when you get out of the the core women's uh, like title programs i think with damage control now you have something that they can really sink their teeth into but I mean, my exhibit A would be this women's tag division that has been, I would say, aside from um, very early on with with Sasha and Bailey, like mm. generally, this has been a tag division that has been just woefully, woefully handled. And it's not a case of that they don't have women. It's just th- there's nothing here. There is nothing to the this tag division. Mm. We had a replay of the four-way that The Miz won last week, and uh, Jackie Redman interviews The Miz, who does his awful Arnold impression of Gunther, including Get to the Chopper. Mm. Hilarious. Yeah. Ivar comes in and calls The Miz a joke and that he won't make it to the Survivor Series. So Bronson Reed walks in and tells them, you guys are lucky to be standing. And then we had some of the most excruciating dialogue. The only person luckier than you two is Gunther for escaping me. Ivar, escaping you? Escaping you? You had your title match, and I don't see the IC title over your shoulder. Bronson, stand down, big fella, before I send you back a failure to your Viking gods. Hey, Valhalla, smarten your man up. 
why don't you smarten me up? I can smarten you up. You can smarten me up. Come on. <laughs> I can you keep this up for three hours and we'll just have you like redo raw every this, week. This was some of the most atrocious dialogue that two humans have exchanged <laughs> any any area of the world in 2023 where Ivar and Bronson read. I can guarantee you these men in their lives of conversations they have had, it has never included. Why don't you smarten me up? I can smarten you up. You can smarten me up. Come on. I'm really looking forward to um, an upcoming recap of uh, the Shayna Baszler Zoe Stark segment later on. <laughs> that wasn't much better. Reed then turns his head and there is Valhalla staring into him. And they exit. Tommaso Ciampa, Ludwig Kaiser. Vinci gets ejected, so Kaiser's in control. They trade forearms, fight on the buckle, and then Kaiser tries for the sunset bomb and is stopped. Kaiser then leaps into a flying knee when Vinci returns, attacking Gargano, and Kaiser rolls him up, hooking the tights in 10 minutes, pinning Ciampa. I think Gargano and Ciampa have the longest losing streak on Raw. They, they won. Ever win? They won that first match um, that they paired up as a team, didn't they? And they lost to the Creeds. Then they lost to the Creeds. Then they lost this. And before that, Johnny lost um, some matches. So I I know what you mean. Like especially when DIY are just starting to um, basically debut. You know, for this roster, I I I'm not saying fifty fifty booking is the answer. I'm saying I would book them in in this match. You know, I I would. I just give find them-, them very uninteresting in this whole like reunion it just feels Mm -hmm. as something like they feel even though they are not a makeshift team that's what they feel like and they just i don't know i think that they yeah i don't know they're trying to they're trying to reclaim the magic of like what made them amazing in in nxt and like the the wrestling will will be great they just kind of need like ultimately i think they'll get over by having like matches that people will be talking about but um as as characters, I mean, I, I do kind of feel like the magic is lost. You know, you've d- you've done them reuniting, turning on each other so many times. Can they get to the point where um they feel like an innocent team just pairing up together again before giving us the turn? This is all in build up to your your next Chapa versus Gargano turn, right? But can they can they reclaim that magic? And I, I'm not so sure. Judgment Day are in the back and. They mockingly refer to Priest as their fearless leader before. uh, And Priest just says, I was just upset and said that in the heat of the moment. But then they all decide to make him the leader going into war games. And then they tell Priest, this is almost like a negotiating tactic uh, where they just used, uh, they, they gave him the leadership role, but then he has to acquiesce to their desire to have JD entered into the group and Priest finally caves and when they go to present him with his cut, Priest volunteers to go welcome JD into the group. Mm-hmm. So this really does feel as though they are they are getting set to uh, ixnay Damian Priest from the group. Right. Okay. So, so you think because this is like Priest being like a like a good guy, you know, like he's noble. He's like you know he he thinks he's doing the right thing by finally welcoming this guy jd um very possible you know i certainly think jd is is um manipulating i suppose in a way but he's actually jd like he's he really has genuinely earned you know his spot right like losing 
repeatedly. He gave them a priest the briefcase. So, um, yeah, maybe. Zaya Lee and Indy Hartwell. Um, Lee just stomps her into the corner, takes a spine buster, but then Indy gets hit with the spin kick. She collapses into the corner, and it's waved off in two minutes and 34 seconds. This was like the uh, the UFC main card on Saturday. Ah, right. Yes. Quick first round finish. Except Lee. with none of the reaction, I'm sure, um, that you got in some of those UFC finishes. Because they can, they're continuing this like pretty unique experiment with, with these Zia Lee knockout finishes. Um, they're getting really The audience flat. is not accepting these finishes. They're getting very flat reactions, you know. Um, the first time was more like doing it with Candice was almost like more confusion. And I think you can buy that, accept it just because you're trying to teach the audience something new. They did it with Becky before the the the, the uh, Battle Royal. And then tonight was the second time that they actually ended a match doing it. And the reaction I thought was just, just as flat. And that's fine if you're like investing that time in order to create like, I don't know, a big pop or, or something like that. Um, I continue to wonder if it, it'll be worth it. Like next week will, will be the tell, right? Like she's going to have the match with Becky. There's going to be a spot where she'll, they'll deliver the kick and she, they might tease the knockout again, but will it be dramatic in any way? Will the audience react in a big way? I mean, we'll see. Becky Lynch comes out and says they are now doing this on her time. And she goes after Zia Lee tries for the manhandle slam. Lee escapes and Becky announces they will have their match next Monday on raw. Overall, I think Zaya's been doing like a really good job here, like with what um they're giving her. And again, not an easy sort of like finish with this knockout type of thing. I think she's been perfectly fine, like in her matches, her kicks have looked good. And overall, like I think she's maintained like a good level of intensity anytime she's on screen. Certainly above like the first few times I've seen her. So overall, I, I think she she is doing a good job. Yeah, I think this is you know, they've this has been a several week build to get to this uh, sing- singles match uh, for, for the two of them. And we got the tea ceremony tomorrow. She's got a very busy week because she, mm-hmm. she is facing Lyra the next night after the Becky Lynch match next week. So a lot going on with her. The Miz is with Gunther and Gunther says, congratulations, Mike. As he continues, he will not refer to this man under this, this ridiculous name. And he says, uh, to the surprise of everyone, you won last week, but the fun and games are over. Miz says, you don't know who you're dealing with. I will do anything to win. It's like, dude, you got pinned by Snoop Dogg, I think. Didn't he? <laughs> uh, and um, he technically w- was supposed to only co-win last week. And I, th- I think there was some maybe veiled reference to that in Gunther's line, talking about how everybody was surprised um, <laughs> that Miz won last week. Well, he says that um, Miz tries to explain there's a reason I won that title eight times, and I'm going to show you that there's a difference between the longest reigning champion and the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Uh, Two things I don't think anyone would associate The Miz with, but um, Gunther promises him the beating of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's like anyone could be uh, Fedor and go undefeated for all those years, but what if... What if someone had won the Pride heavyweight title like six times? I mean, <laughs> and they had one defense combined. <laughs> so I I can see that argument if like the person who lost it six times and won it six times had some legendary matches, you know, attached to to their run. Um, 
The Miz is not that person, okay? He's not that level of IC champion. But to, to my surprise, these crowds are taking to him as a babyface. So. There will be a time, and listen, I think sometimes The Miz is, uh, you know, he, he's an interesting character in the, in the sense that I think that there is such a, for, for so many years, there was so much negativity towards him that I think, as you can see, there, there's a lot of things that he does really well, especially mm-hmm. in this environment. But I think over time, that will be greatly exaggerated to the point that like 15 years from now, this guy's going to be talked about as like this all-time legend at the time. <laughs> Man, I don't know about that. <laughs> but okay, well, like, it depends on who you ask, right? And depends on what circles, uh, I suppose. Like based on what longevity or probability maybe um it's just the natural uh, sequence of things where something especially when you are younger uh you are going to look back and there, there will be a pocket of people that will look at like the miz as like this can you name somebody who's received like similar treatment from the past that might have been you know a miz caliber type of wrestler Let's look like, at. Did we talk about Hacksaw Jim Duggan as you know this this great legend? Um, I think that there is that there is a case to be made for uh, characters that especially hit in like popularity booms, like like the late nineties right. or so, that sometimes get um, overemphasized as to how big of a deal they were. Right. I I do think like people will uh, come around to maybe giving him more respect than he's like, he sort of is the poster child of like bad WWE wrestler, isn't he? And I feel like um, maybe um, that, that sort of sentiment will, will be a bit more relaxed, you know, in the future and people will be able to acknowledge like what he does that, that is actually exceptionally better than a lot of other people. And then a lot of other people like in this system, like this mm-hmm. is a certain skill set that is required to last here and succeed in a, in a, Good position. Like the Miz is not your difference maker, but he's in a very protected, safe position. And it's a lot harder to be that type of person that has to essentially adapt to this system. And many people cannot do, especially all the different things that he does. As like somebody to put in there with the Snoop Dogg or to, you know, um, do a talk show segment or to even like cut some promos here. Like his biggest sort of fault, I think, might be his in-ring, you know, because the expectation for like in-ring quality is that much higher. This is going to be maybe Gunther's biggest test to date, you know, in the WWE. How great of a match can he have with The Miz? This is the closest we've got to if like Brett Lauderdale could book a match at Survivor Series. Totally. Probably what we would get. Totally. Yes. Zoe Stark meets with Shayna Baszler and Shayna is playing with her cards and said that I almost had your number last week. And Zoe is uh, reflecting on the win last week and Shayna admits, yeah, but you are on a roll and I'm kind of looking forward to your match and it's hard for me to say that it's really hard for me to say that and never were there more truer words spoken than how hard this was for Shayna Baszler to have to state this and 
I don't know what I was watching here. Um, well, I'm a little surprised because like this was very much I, I felt like a friendly baby face interaction, you know, between both these two who I think um, heading into the crown jewel match, they're both supposed to be heels. And then in, in comes like Raquel Gonzalez, who like is now sort of like very good friends with the three of them, too. So going back to like the be- uh, what is it? Uh, um, the Rhea uh, sort of like, you know, discussion. We're moving like, on. Is is Rhea supposed to be the heel in this program against zoe does it uh, shades of gray right shades of gray that's antiquated we don't have good guys and bad guys yeah yeah this segment just kept going nia Jax comes in and calls them all first raquel was in wishing zoe good luck in their mat in her match with Rhea. nia calls them pathetic and says it should be me against Rhea, but none of you could beat me one-on-one and you're cowards for ganging up to eliminate me and Raquel says, I'm not scared of you. I would beat you. And so next week, it will be the showdown of Raquel Rodriguez against Nia Jax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, a female meat match. Will there be meat chance for this one? Um, I I don't know what Grand Rapids has in store for these two women. Okay, well, all right. This could be good. You know, they could do some impressive power spots. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um I could see Nia winning this. I think like you do have to do this Rhea match at some point. And uh, this is the December lull programs we're setting up. I could see the crowd actually reacting well for this one. Unlike, you know, a lot of the women's matches that they tend to put into like the middle of the show. These are two wrestlers with like, you know, pretty identifiable, like at least, um, I don't know, wrestling styles, you know. And, and again, they could do some impressive things in there, hopefully. Ivar and the Miz. So the idea is Miz. Not that he's doing all these moves for the first time, but these are moves he has not done in years. <laughs> yes. So Miz hits a, uh, a Hurricane Rana and then takes multiple chances before clotheslining Ivar to the floor. Then he busts out his Tilt-A-Whirl DDT. Ivar stops a skull-crushing finale, spins him into a slam, and then Bronson Reed walks down. And this leads to the Miz applying a headlock, kicking off the turnbuckle to deliver a bulldog which Michael Cole identified <laughs> tornado DDT. <laughs> Dude, it's been 25, yeah. 26 years, yeah. 26 years. So, and- you know, you mentioned how like um, over time people will like maybe give a lot more um, uh, sort of, um, I guess, respect for like somebody who yes, Michael went- Cole, everyone has come around to Michael Cole. These, definitely these things, Like it reminds me of like, it's, it's not all completely warranted. Okay. No, like there's no excuse for just screwing up something like this. Yeah. Reed has a chair. Tease is using it, but just sits down. He just wants a rest. And then we, we pick things up. Ivor hits a tiger driver. Miz with those, it kicks Valhalla then strikes Miz from the floor. Miz tries for a skull crushing finale off the second turnbuckle. We haven't seen these moves in years. And Ivar climbs. He's arguing with Bronson Reed, which allows Miz to powerbomb him. And then Miz uses the rope for leverage to pin Ivar in 11 minutes and 10 seconds. Right. Um, well, he's still a scumbag, right? now. He's But now he's our scumbag. So is the idea that the Miz is in so over his head against Gunther that his only opportunity would, like, he's got to be able to cheat to win. And that's our idea here. Like he perhaps can't possibly 
match up against this guy. I think there's that. I think it's them wanting to protect the, these giants, you know, like an Ivar in, in losing to the Miz, who, yeah, like is still portrayed as a pretty low, lowly ranked guy. Yeah. He's I, a challenger. He's the guy but, you chose to be the challenger. For but he kind of lucked out in, in, in getting there, right? Like he only got the pin last week on, I believe it was Reed Bronson. because, because he Reed the tsunami. Because he missed the splash. So he's almost like – he is playing like an opportunistic like guy who's at his heart a heel but for now a baby face. Well, Reed attacks Ivar. He hits the tsunami and um, that was that. I don't know. Are you, are you interested in this match with Gunther? And the I am purely to see what Gunther can do with, with the Miz, right? Um and I think that, like, to my surprise, the, these crowds are getting into the Miz as a baby face. They're 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 giving him let's go Miz chance. So I think in the Gunther match, like, you'll get a really good response. And I'm maybe I'm just too much of an optimist, but I'm I actually feel like you'll we'll all be impressed with the result of that one. Priest meets JD McDonough. Part of him doesn't think he's ready, and part of him thinks. And by the way, no ricochet on the show. No, no, he was uh, reportedly in concussion protocol, and that would seem to be uh, the case because, yeah, he was not on the show at all. He kicked out of the finish, which he was not supposed to. Yeah, I mean, you know, c- concerning when, you know, it was it was very clear that that spot that we identified last week that, you know, he continued. But, you know, that that's a case of, you know, we see examples in these matches where just because the guy's moving, it, it doesn't mean he has all his, his faculties uh, together. Priest meets with Janie McDonough and... uh says you're 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 annoying and but you did take one for the team and for me and that's someone i can go to war with and presents him with the jacket welcomes him to the judgment day and balor walks in finally and then tells priest let's go show them why we are the tag champions so our newest member is uh jd judgment day that that uh, we find out what jd stands for this whole time um so i guess uh you get a cool vest and you join the Judgment Day, eh? Dude, this is a cut, okay? This is a... This is a you get a cut? A, a merch? Really? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> not not a chance. Uh, okay. Imperium are in the back. Gunther says, well done. And Kaiser starts bragging. Ah, winning is just another Monday night. And Gunther says, I wasn't congratulating you. I'm congratulating Vinci for winning that match for Imperium. Dude, I love this segment. This All funny. three of these guys were awesome. <laughs> Gunther is low-key my favorite personality. Like, take the matches away. I just yeah. enjoy this guy interacting with people. He has such a disdain. He's plays such a great asshole. Totally. And this was awesome. Like, the legit um, surprise here that here, this was Vinci that yeah. was able to connect with Gunther and Kaiser is just left in the cold after all these weeks. I don't know where this is going. This has really been the slowest moving story in a show that has some really slow moving stories. Um but nonetheless, I, I but at it. least it's moving and, and we got, you know, a, a bit of a change of direction here. It's we moving this week until yeah. we just do a dozen matches over the next <laughs> three months and then Kaiser's on his good side. By the way, I, I totally agree with you that like Gunther has really excelled. It, I mean, obviously, we know the wrestling is there, but like in these sort of like backstage acting things, he's he's done a lot better than I ever thought. In, know, in that aspect of the of the industry, he is one of the more improved guys th- this year. Like, could you imagine yeah. a year ago them even giving this guy a microphone, let alone talking segments? Like, he is mm-hmm. now in these segments. Like, he carries these segments, and that was never the case prior. He like surprisingly is an excellent fit in into the WWE style of pro wrestling backstage segment. You know, 
Alpha Academy console Otis over the loss. They're with the Creeds who are suggesting maybe you guys get some new training partners as we are undefeated. And then the New Day enter and they all start dancing and we cut to Ivy Nile and Maxine who literally are like, we were both in the Battle Royal. We should team up. Okay. You ever thought about being a model? And we have number one contenders. They would announce them for... Oh, what, I, I assume oh. this this qualifies. Dude, this was the <laughs> most like awkward uh, pairing of two people to say, we need tag teams and you're our tag teams. And then Tozawa uh, was rotating his hips with the Washington Commanders belt. Right, yeah. Um, so the Creeds, their follow-up... I mean, to my surprise, they, they were... Um, they're a raw team. Um, and I guess it makes sense that they're, they'll be paired with uh, the Alpha Academy. Um, I think it's fine that they're, you know, as they're transitioning from NXT to put them in what is essentially a, like sort of the mid card comedy act of um, the show. It helps like the creeds kind of bring their personalities up, maybe get more comfortable doing these sort of like um, videos. I just hope that they don't stay here for too long because this is just kind of like mid card purgatory, isn't it? For anybody who's, who's in here, including the new day. Um, but to start. Sure. Why not? Next week, it's Rollins, Cody, Jay, and Zayn against Judgment Day in the Advantage match. Love the Advantage matches. Would you put money down on this one? Um, well, uh, I'd, I'd put a quarter that they used to have to flip for who got the advantage. But we'll get a full match for probably 20 minutes worth until the heels win. Becky Lynch and Zia Lee and Raquel Rodriguez against Nia Jax. Main event. This was like the last half hour of the show. Finn Balor and Damian Priest against Cody and Jay Uso. They double team Jay. They got the heat on him. Go to a break. They get the heat on Cody. They go for a segment. Go to break. Come back. Now we're going to escalate things. Jay lands a high cross, super kicks everybody, Uso splash onto Priest, and then Jay avoids the south of heaven, super kicks Priest into the crossroads, but then Jay spears Balor, and we get the return of the Cody 1D, but Priest makes the save from Balor. And then Rhodes, suicide dive to Priest. Cody is sent into the post, which actually the post fell off. Yeah. we are doing too many post spots if uh, things breaking. Cody gets chokeslammed onto the edge of the apron and then a Topecon hero by Jay that no one caught him for. This guy just, boom, landed on the floor. And he gets up, and there is Drew McIntyre, who has just popped up like a genie out of the bottle. Claymore's Jay and rolls him into the ring as Balor pins him in 22 minutes and 49 seconds. The line of the night from Michael Cole. No, it was not a tornado DDT, but instead he (laughs) yells, remember, Drew blames the bloodline. After all this time, (laughs) remember, remember, he blames the bloodline. And then Drew stands tall at the entrance as Rhea Ripley walks out and the two shake hands to end the show. Uh, The main event itself, um, I did not think this was at the level of some of their past tag matches. This was a very slow, meticulous match that um, was like suddenly I've been watching this for like 18 minutes and it just felt like the most basic of basic tag matches and then we we upped it a bit at the end getting into the false finishes but i you weren't bringing me um up to the next uh gear with this one it just uh i don't know f- fell short for sure of 
past examples these four have had? It was it was certainly um, incredibly formulaic, you know, with um, just your standard sort of like tag team hot tag uh, build before having actual content that mattered towards the end. I think at least part part of it might be due to the fact that like I don't know how many people bought um, a Cody and Jey Uso win, nor like how many of us actually cared to see them win the tag team titles again. It's certainly not um, a focused upon element of this feud currently you know everybody's already looking towards war games and the tag titles are almost completely inconsequential or at least they haven't made a big deal out of it um but yeah like i thought at least like cody and jay especially towards the end they continued to show really great chemistry together and jay you know up until this point he still shines the most in a tag team setting i would agree um and then the the big thing at the end was was drew mcintyre and what what his involvement is for war games yeah yeah um they gave basically direct credit here so i mean i like the show long storyline you know judgment day panicking that you know nobody else will be out here to help meanwhile rhea ripley has assigned and secretly drew mcintyre to come out to help the judgment day so i thought um mcintyre has seen earlier did a good job of you know keeping the audience off guard from expecting the finish and i would expect drew mcintyre to be attached to war games and that would demand the baby faces at a, a fifth member. So next week we will get why drew why. Yeah. Cause he reminds us about clash at the castle. And is he a full on member of the judgment day or is this just a, t- a temporary association? Will he get his cut? Will he get his vest? Most importantly, yeah. that's the big question. Oh man. If you're judgment day and you're trying to deal with the merchandising, you know, money, man, like, now you got to cut JD in and you cut Drew McIntyre and he's not just taking a, what is it? One sixth cut anymore. Well, maybe, maybe they're going to have to make a, they're going to have to dispose of someone to keep those percentages. Oh, very interesting. This is how the big business works of the judgment day, but, uh, but there you go. Overall, I, I think they've done a really, really, really great job with this Drew McIntyre story, you know, from um, him setting his sights on, on Seth Rollins championship to losing the championship to now, what is at least, if not a culmination, then maybe at least, you know, a pretty um, close um, entry into the final chapter of, of solidifying his heel turn. Um, they, he's been one of the, this has been one of the best, best um, executed heel turns in, in recent memory. They've done a very good job. I, I think overall the, the men's war games match is in a really good shape for Survivor Series. They've, they built it pretty well. And you have next week to kind of figure out like, Drew's placement and and that whole aspect going into it. But I would say for tonight's show, um, I would I really enjoyed that Nakamura Otis match. I wouldn't say this was like the most blow away great in-ring show for Raw. Uh, a lot is just focused on the war games and that kind of plays itself out throughout the the three hours, but that's that's the big focus uh, of the show. The thing that matters most is war games, and I think they put a lot of great focus into that. They, they like, especially on the babyface side. You know, the the team's kind of, kind of feeling like um the Avengers from Avengers One, where the question is, okay, these are all single stars. Can they can they work together? You know, as a as a stable uh, against the Judgment Day, who now are stronger than ever. So I I think that's in pretty good shape. All right, so there you go. That was your go home show for the Warriors Tea Ceremony on Tuesday. To get everyone mm-hmm. set for that with Zaylee and Lyra Valkyria, we'll open it up to uh, super chats and the forum to get in a few pieces of feedback before we uh, wrap things up 
We got a few super chats here to go to. And first of all, I want to thank Ryan G sending $15. Thank you very much, Ryan, for that very generous super chat. He says, thanks for all the great content post continues to put out. I just listened to last week's talk and rewind away. And I've now gone down a 2000 WCW thunder rabbit hole. More 2000 thunder reviews needed. Our best uh, to you, Ryan, for going down such a dangerous rabbit hole. You might not come out sane, but God bless. Now, what, will, uh, what is the experience like to only watch Thunder and not Nitro? Um, it's it's kind of like a hangover. Okay. Because like a lot of the crazy stuff happens on, on Nitro. Um, it's, it, it, there's more under the radar stuff that happens on Thunder. Like, yeah, there is a right. certain um, just throw it at the wall, get through the next night's taping. But there's, there's a frequent amount of garbage uh, on 2000 thunders as as well. That maybe has even less attention and care than even nitro. All right. Well, thank you so much for the kind words, Ryan. And and thanks to everybody who checked out either rewind away uh, covering our uh, David Arquette wins the WC title episode or uh, last week's edition of talk, which um, was a lot of fun, John, having you over. Yeah, I got to go to Way's house, and um, it's always great to do these in in person. And uh, we got into a lot of a uh, lot of interesting topics. I always enjoy those shows. So we, uh, uh, yes, you can check out last week's talk, which is up on the cafe. Well, let's go up next to Andy, who sends a hundred rupees to say, "I'm going to need. They're going to need a delicate balancing act to keep the Drew character true to itself while having him join the team Judgment Day. Big promo needed from Drew next week." Yeah, I, but you know we we know the story. He's been very consistent about his dislike of Jay Uso. Okay, he might have made amends with Seth Rollins, but um, that doesn't mean he doesn't he's made any sort of amends with Jay Uso. So, but you're right. Like a, a big promo is 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 needed next week. Yeah, it's um yeah they've they've got a bit of a juggling act next week of this being the big angle to go off the show, and I I think Drew is you know not separate from War Games. I think he like. The presence is going to be around war games and whether he's inserted or he's there as, you know, just, um, yeah, I, I think there's, I, I like when they do finish shows where you have those natural questions and a reason to tune in next week that hopefully it won't just be a, um, it's none of your business why I did what I did last week, which you would have gotten a lot of in uh, 2000. If Drew is added to the war games team, who, what are some, what are some candidates for the baby face side you could see? Um, CM Punk. <laughs> I mean, it would have been a great spot for a Kevin Owens, but so um, so I believe there's a report out there that was suggesting like Randy Orton might be a name. That well, we know he's like pretty much ready to come back, so that would be that. That's a lot to do in a week, though. To yeah, set that up, true. like I would not want that to be a surprise, and you would have to do all of that um ne- next Monday. Like it is sort of a um, it's really like throwing Randy Orton out there into. Something yeah, what know. beat does he have with the Judgment Day? Did he feud with them? No, no, he was taken out by the Bloodline. Right. But maybe, um, yeah, he he should be pissed at Jay too. Like, right? Uh, there's not really a <laughs> Jay has just uh, burned everybody. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. imagine Randy comes back and he hasn't been following WWE. <laughs> where's Riddle? And yeah, where's Riddle? That's the first thing he says. Everything's on pause from May of Where's Vince McMahon? It's like, what is TKO? Uh, 8.4 million Class A shares at this price? 
Okay, let's Where go. Yeah, let's go. Lastly, to Dicky Bird, who sends two ninety nine Australian dollars. Thank you, Dicky. He says, "Looking forward to John's review of Coyote versus Acme." I stand corrected, everybody. Apparently, the reviews for Coyote versus Acme in their screenings were testing in the nineties, John, which means it was really good. So, we don't know why. Um, WBD. Well, apparently, the the newest report from Puck came out today that they are allowing the producers to like shop the film elsewhere so mm-hmm. if someone buys it and if it's testing high um yeah we and now it it's may, more hype than ever i didn't know about this movie i don't think that it hurts the interest when you have the idea of taking something away from people and now there's going to naturally just be the curiosity and further demand to see it so th- this this may end up being released this was like a 72 million dollar film that i mean just seems preposterous that they would use this as a tax write-off but that's um an accountant can explain that better than me but yeah it seems like it it was not a case of this being a a poorly tested movie so will you review it john no no i'm not gonna go see it what if it's under three hours um i i just have no interest in in this movie at all i i didn't even know it existed or what the premise was until friday i will watch a trailer and and i mean if cena uh can win me over then Maybe I'll go watch it. Sure. Okay. Let's go to the forum and we're going to go to Jay from Colorado. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. This was said by Adam Pierce to Rhea Ripley during the first hour of the program and is a quote from the 1939 film Gone with the Wind. Was that one going to be shelved too after they produced Gone with the Wind? Imagine if they had just, uh, uh, I think you're muted way. I think you're, uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're uh, gone with the sound. <laughs> was it a WBD property at the time? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't believe so. No, no. If there's one way to go after that 18 to 35 demo, it's by referencing a black and white historical romance film from over 80 years ago. Maybe they're going after that timeless Tony storm demo. Well, you can always reference the classics. Although to yeah. be honest, I've never seen gone with the wind. So I have to, what? Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've never seen gone with the wind. All right. Let's go to Muggin. Who says the sword of McIntyre hung. <laughs> How about a- uh, Do this with a dramatic reading. The sword of McIntyre hung over the main event, and as expected, it fell. <laughs> the closing this, this is the movie trailer. The closing shot of him and Rhea shaking hands could have major implications for war games and beyond. How will the test of the crew react that Rhea pulled this behind their backs? I bet this is a sign that Randy Orton might make his return to aid Cody and company. It's also going to take time for the women's side of Raw to measure up to SmackDowns in terms of star power. December is a down period for WWE, so it's a chance for TPTB to experience experiment. The powers that be? Oh, I didn't I'm know. Guessing. We were, I'm guessing. I've never yeah. seen that acronym before. I didn't know um, we were um, acronymizing uh, the powers that be. TPTB to experiment with the roster they've got on tap. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that should have been the name of like Russo and Ferrara in '99. Yeah. TPTB. That would have been a sounds like a disease. Perfect t-shirt right there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for the feedback and thank you for tuning in on this Monday night. Uh, your tradition here after Raw, as we have uh, broken down everything. Tuesday, we've got the interview with Chris Hero dropping, and then Tuesday night after NXT, Braden and Davey will be uh, taking to the air. And, By the way, yes. yes, those guys will be hosting a Survivor Series watch party if you're in the local toronto area uh they will be doing it at gabby's on king street so 
look up Gabby's on King Street. Get your tickets. I believe they're uh, selling. They're going to sell out. They always pack this place. If you want to watch certain war games with uh, your your own sort of um, dream team of uh, <laughs> people. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but go to uh, poisonrana.ca for details. Yes, and if you if you go to Gabby's, the the code word to get into the bar is you scream war games as loud as you can as you walk into the bar, and you'll be admitted. Well, you know, you still have to pay. Right? Oh, do you have to pay to get in? I'm just yeah, kidding. I'm just joking. Uh, don't listen to me. You just screwed up there. No, no, no. You have to pay. Thing. You have to pay. Support uh, Braden and Davey. <laughs> I'm tired, guys. It's been a long. It's not much. I believe day. it's very, very little. Okay, uh, yeah. check that out. That's Survivor Series, November 25th, Saturday night, Gabby's. Check it out. That'll be a fun night. And that is it for us. They will be live Tuesday night after NXT. We are back on Wednesday. We'll also have a Pollock and Thurston show dropping on Wednesday. I think I've referred to 80 shows that are coming up this week. So check them all out, postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. And that is it. Good night. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.